I'm your host, Adam Jamel. And I'm Derpa Derpa Derp. And that's Derpa Derpa Derp from Seattle, Washington. That is right. This is the Quack Tool Podcast, the most official, unofficial Oregon Ducks podcast on the web. Foot is fear. And today we are brought to you by a wonderful organization. I, I want to get to this right off the top. Get are they an right actual into it. are they an actual sponsor? No. Do they yes. know who we are? Yes. No. Well, Yes and no. I mean, I feel like a sponsor should should have talked to the person they're sponsoring before, known that they exist, you know, exchanged some money. Well, this is none of that. A representative of the company in, reached out to you and did what, Adam? A fan of the company reached out on Twitter, hit me up on our Twitter account, at Quack12Podcast. Uh, I didn't actually know if, the, if these people wanted their names known, so we'll call them T&S, all right? So... Now, T dear friend, ass, s, s, not T and ass. Okay, I thought it was like T E A, T and A, like a weird didn't, British thing. I didn't want to say the the T, but I would say ass. No, no, yeah. T and. What are you having for breakfast? <laughs> T and ass. <laughs> <laughs> the British millennial breakfast. No, T and S. Oh, we've already insulted them. T and S, my uh, dear friends of the podcast, they hit me up. Hours, you know, or not not long, day of uh, the Oregon-Utah game, all right? Amazing. And they say, hey, we, we're taking a shot in the dark, but if you want, we got a ticket for you. Uh, they were very fun seats, too, I got to tell you. Not not like, I'm not talking like, you know, first row, 50-yard line, but very good, better than, than this scumbag she used to. And it was well, a really good fair. time. Yeah. What... That scumbag is used to is that scumbag's own design. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You could get great seats. You just choose as far away as you can get. I choose typically, yeah, as far as I can get my, my literal couch is where I'm usually watching. This yeah. <laughs> Not my figurative couch, my literal couch. Uh, but so they, I got invited by these people. You know, I, I hadn't actually met them, but I, I I went out. They were as nice as can be. Very awesome. Oh, they were there. Fans. Oh yeah, they were there too. I thought, I thought they couldn't go, so they were giving you their tickets. No, they they had. It sound like they had decided not to go because if Bo Nix isn't in the game, this is even better. Up? This is even better. These are true Duck fans we're talking about because they were more like, "Hey, we just got to get this. We got to get this thing packed." Right. It is like 7.30 p.m. kickoff, a little later. It was 22 degrees there. <laughs> like, it was gnarly. Field, but it was 22 degrees in Eugene when y'all were there? They announced it was 22 degrees uh, over the speakers anyway. So I'm guessing wow. they don't lie. Um, and, yeah, so TNS, they were just, they wanted people in these stands. So they hit me up. And because they're fans of... The world's number one organ dog podcast. Um, I mean, maybe. You can't <laughs> prove me wrong. And it was a great time. We were freaking out. Wait. Uh, yeah. I, I don't blast. think you actually ever said the name of the company that TNF oh, not yet. Well, out. This is what I wanted to get to here. So go back to the point. 
So TNS, I asked, is there anything I can I can shout out for you? Uh, you know, like any any kind of ad, you know, this is millions of people across the world listen to this podcast. Surely we can promote something for you. And they're so nice. The only thing they wanted me to to shout out here is they wanted me to promote a wonderful place called the Safe Haven Humane Society. All right, the oh, Safe I'm about to get Haven. Sad. Humane Society. In the arms of the angel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Sarah. Um, they are the shelter. So where they got their dog, TNS, yeah. um, the TNS dog, and they said they were really great to deal with. Um, also, they wanted to shout out a rescue service. That, uh, so there's a transport there's a rescue service that transports animals from high kill shelters to areas that are mm-hmm. low or no kill shelters. Yeah, it's very nice. Um, and that they're called startrescue.org. That is a very nice cause. Yep. Uh, S dot T dot A dot R dot T rescue stands for shelter transport animal rescue team. It says they're saving animal lives every day. There's even a count there, 15,826. Um, yeah, so Safe Haven Humane Society, great place to get a dog. And the Start Rescue, just a, a great organization. We're going to start shouting them out more regularly because we want to, you know, yeah. It is interesting it's, that um, you, or it's interesting, I love that that's the sponsor because Adam, as it just so happens, completely unduck related, so there was mm-hmm. no need to bring it up until mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Today is the one year anniversary that Uli and I adopted Lefty. Oh, Lefty. He came from a foster care company here in Seattle called Dog Gone Seattle. That's pretty good. Which does the exact same thing, which is basically, I guess, Southern California is just filled with kill shelters. So we got him from San Bernardino. But uh, but yeah, doggone their whole thing is that they rescue animals across the country from kill shelters and then send them to others. And they do it through foster care. So you can actually sign up to be just, you know, a person at home who wants to take care of 20 dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, some of these kill shelters should be called doggone. That's actually a better yeah. thing, I would say. Unfortunately, I mean, I had to say it, unfortunately. Dark. Uh, but the, whenever yeah. they admit <laughs> dogs into their kill shelters, they just name them Charlie. Really? That's that's how you know they're dead. It's a you've never seen all dogs go to heaven. Oh, now I'm getting it. <laughs> I thought it was like a Vietnam joke for a second. I was like, I don't know. Oh my god, no! I don't. So I terrible! Like... <laughs> I can't believe that you thought that and then said that out loud. I was trying to think, Charlie. What is what is Charlie a reference to? I don't know. Um, anyway, so Charlie, one... the main dog from All Dogs Go. <laughs> that was supposed to just immediately come to my head. So I guess that's a good plug. Probably not, but there you go. Thanks no, for it's the a ticket. Great plug, everybody. Look, everybody I know get a dog. I know it's so awesome to be like, I'm going to spend twelve to sixteen hundred dollars on this purebred dog. That's going to be pretty stupid because it's a hundred percent real. Like a disgusting when there husky. are millions of beautiful little babies in shelters literally everywhere. So you should most definitely be adopting over anything else. Get them doggies into loving and safe homes. 
okay, we want the Quack 12 challenge. Every person listening to this, adopt two dogs at your local shelter, and we will donate one dollar to said if shelter. You tweet us the picture of your adopted dog. Dogs we will send you for Christmas a Quack 12 coffee mug, and I will actually what is a quack? Your, your dog that you've adopted. <laughs> I'm going to make up a quack 12 mug. I'll mail it to you. It's a terrible idea. Why? Be it's a great idea. Be prepared for the mug to be a literal Dixie cup that he writes quack 12 on and mails to you. I found a website that has one billion different kinds of things on it that you just upload an image and then it'll print to it and then mail it wherever you want it to go. Well, disregard that message, uh, that last message, listeners. You're going to get swamped to me with... that you won't let me do a marketing strategy. I'm looking out for you. But I'm the one who came up with it. <laughs> okay, well. Who gives a shit? Send your, send your <laughs> shelter dog pics to Aaron. Hey, Adam. And you will I bankrupt him. I want to him. help out the podcast by doing something for our loyal fan base. Adam, no. Okay. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> All right, send them to Aaron. Yeah. Send no, Aaron. tweet him to the Quack 12 Twitter. <laughs> Adam will let me know. I will be in contact. Okay. I'm Cut to next week. Aaron swimming in mugs, just bankrupt. He's, he's literally on the street with these mugs, with a house of mugs that he's made because so many orders have been put in. I hope they don't ship them to me because I will never ship them out. <laughs> yeah. Ship them directly to the person who wants it. Well, they're not a sponsor, so we don't need to talk about them. But, Aaron, Yo. I went to this damn game. Yeah, you did, baby. What a it game was, to go to. It was wonderful. I kept hearing other people, non-Duck fans probably, obviously, that were talking about this game on different podcasts. Believe it or not, other sports podcasts exist. And I got to say, like, they were talking about this game as if it was kind of, like, hard to watch. You know, it was a, a bad game. Because it was low scoring, because there was injuries, because, you know, Bonix wasn't 100%, because the Ducks, it looked like they kind of shot themselves in the foot, which allowed Utah to come back. But I'll tell you, man, being there, being surrounded by all those Duck fans, last home game of the season, it was a great time. And the fact that it was close really, I don't know, made it pretty awesome. The fact that it was a defensive stand to win this game you know that we had to rely on so many things that in the past duck fans have really ripped on like the duck defense mm -hmm. um the uh specifically the past defense camden lewis's leg you know um dante thornton having an up and down game bo nicks going out there and just like sacrificing his damn body to win us oh, yeah game. what was up so what was the deal with the ankle again why were they keeping him so it, it may be they're they're still not specific there it's like i've heard foot left foot left ankle still not quite sure it's clear it's, it's not a boot or anything it's also like he is able to move some but you could tell on the field probably on the tv too that he just can't fully put his weight on it like he can right. still throw deep down but i think it's more like the speed the power of the ball right. is not a hundred percent there also his escapability is not there there was times where he's just throwing it in the dirt at the running back's feet 
because I'm sure they told him like, Bo, do anything but take a hit. Right. Like, don't do it. And so he was playing really gingerly out there. You could also see that um, it was just the game plan. I I heard this, and I thought it was pretty interesting. The game plan was just, like, short screen games. It was probably the same game plan planned for Ty Thompson and Bo Nix because it was clear they wanted Bo out of this game as soon as possible, which is why they put Ty in in the second half. And, you know, then that fumble happened, scoop and score, suddenly it's a game again. And but it's like, get Bo at, back out there. But Bo, in an interview, even said, like, there were, it was, at times, it was hard for him to even walk. And he's still going out there. Wow. So just power to him. It, yeah. it really makes me want to watch that replay again, because whenever he got oh, tackled, mm-hmm. you see the dude tap his ankle somehow or something. Are you talking about and Washington? Bo gives him a look. Oh, like last week against Washington, yeah. Yeah. When he actually injured. Yeah. I mean, he was looking at him like there are definitely duck conspirator fans being like, like, look, he physically he he did like something. twisted his ankle, he fucked his ankle, stuff like that. I was almost like, yeah. did he have like a needle under his glove or something and <laughs> got it into you know, I was like, what did he do right there? He did something because Bo immediately reacted to it. And yeah. he seemed devilishly happy that he did it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I didn't see enough to see, but, but like, hey. Whoever that guy was that tackled him is a dirtbag, in my opinion, and that's just the facts. This is a podcast for conspiracy, so I'm not going to mm-hmm. shoot you down there. I'm going to be like, yep, that's enough, Look, enough credibility for me. It's obvious to me that the player for Washington works for <laughs> Amazon, and Amazon bag. has recently come uh, you know, against Nike for their ability to get access to the super rare collectible shoes. Mm. And so Bezos, in an effort to combat <laughs> Phil Knight, has hired this player. <laughs> yes. Yes. Keep going. I'm almost there. Um, With, no, this... And he gave him, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into gave it. him a, a hollow needle. That uh-huh. whenever he tapped it onto his shoulder, it actually pulled out bone marrow. Whoa. So you're saying this is, I mean, almost like a ganja bar from Dune kind of thing. What I'm saying is Bo Nix has a hollow ankle. Whoa. Possibly. I mean, it looked like it out there. But <laughs> I just want to say he was still, like, making the throws when he needed to, you know? Like, and so it wasn't, it, it, it was clear the game plan was different. Um, he was still making good decisions, which is the best thing, except, oh my God, for that last interception was horrifying, my man. It was like late in the fourth quarter, you know, uh, he had just made a deep pass to, I want to say Thornton. I can't quite remember. Uh, we were down in the field, like we had the possibility to go up two scores because we were in the red zone. And he just, it, he doesn't have the power that he could have. He probably shouldn't have made the throw to begin with. But he probably, it's probably not a pick if he's 100%. But it is a pick. Tough decision. It, I mean, at that point, it kind of felt like, oh my God, Utah's going to rally back. But the defense held strong. It was the first time, really, that the pass rush was really there. Um, and I was just really proud of that D. And it really... Being at the stadium was so nice because it it felt like 
the crowd won that game. The crowd really helped win that game. Because when it, when they were on offense, there were, it was loud as shit, dude. Dude, there were moments where I felt like my Sonos bar was about to explode because it would just be a boom of the crowd. Like, yeah. out of nowhere, just boom. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it it was well orchestrated, like, the second they got it. And, like, again, 22 degrees, game wrapped around, like, 1030, and there are, it was still not exactly a sold-out crowd, but, like, just about a packed Dodson. Yeah. It was pretty, and, and the, the student section stayed the whole time. It was, it was a really good vibe, honestly. Awesome. And next week, dude, it's, like, the biggest... Platty, aka you know what was once referred to as something else, the biggest platty ever. Because we got a three-loss Oregon State team that is looking pretty damn good, and we got to go play them in Corvallis, in a stadium that's half been blown up. Yep. So the ticket prices are through the freaking roof right now. Yep, it's gonna be. I mean, that's for everything. If we win that game. We seal our, we get our ticket to the Pac-12 championship game. We get a take on USC. If we don't, it's That's still on. That's who we would play is USC. Yeah, USC sealed it with a big win over UCLA. Crazy game. USC won that game. They did, dude. You should have seen it. The score. I can't was crazy. wait to get into that later on because I watched the first few minutes and was about yeah. to text you and be like, "Yo, this is going to be a UCLA blow." It was fourteen to zero. And I was yep. like, I can't stay here. This is a boring game. This is going to be a blowout. I'm out of here. Dude, should have seen Potato it. Potato like chip. 48 Sorry, to buddy. like, Yeah. 48 to 45, I think. And it was nuts. Time to retire, bro. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I that Oregon State game is going to be really yeah. huge. It is weird to think we're already this deep in the season. Dude, we're almost done. It's the final I game mean, the in the season's over. season. Yeah, We're basically. Done. We got one more, maybe a Pac-12 championship game. Definitely a Pac-12 championship. Then a bowl game. Hopefully Rose the Rose Bowl. Hopefully. hopefully. And then the playoffs. Game. Well, it's it's one or the other. It's either the Rose Bowl or the playoffs. Get that playoffs out of your head because it'll only make you You don't angry. get to do both? They, like, change which bowl games are so affiliated with the playoffs every single season. Uh-huh. This season, the Rose Bowl is not. So if you make it to the Rose Bowl, you're not in the playoffs. I see. But I'd rather go to the Rose Bowl. Because it means more. Because <laughs> it just means more. It's the granddaddy of them all, baby. Uh, yeah, This. I mean, any thoughts on this game? How are you feeling while you're watching it? Well, uh, honestly, I had a friend over who wouldn't shut up about cryptocurrency and deep state stuff, so I was like... <laughs> You know, having to deal with a whole other thing. Uh, <laughs> How do you feel about cryptocurrency right now? It's a dark place, cryptocurrency. Yeah, I'd be pretty worried if I had a yeah. bunch of money in that. Yeah, I think he might be, but I don't want to speak too much on his behalf. Uh, but so, you know, I was, when I get to Gabin, I'm not really paying attention to anything else. I get you. But, I mean, so, you could see the score. Like, 17 yeah, 3 at the half. Yeah. Uh, the game was on. I'm staring at it, but kind of like what the fans said, it was just low action enough 
that I kind of glossed over. Mm. Does that make sense? Because mm -hmm. definitely in the first half, it was like, okay, this game is sealed. I don't really have to pay attention. Third quarter happened. I was like, oh, shit, we might lose this. Maybe. Fourth quarter showed up, and I went, no, it's in the bag. We're good. And then it was good. Well, entering this, this too, the tradition of, like, playing Shout, as you know, uh, the whole Shout song at the end of the third quarter, that was a really good Shout because it was, like, we were tied 17-17 at that point. So it really – and, like, I like the Dan Laney of, like, if it's a close game, then no, come over here. We got to fucking plant shit. Let the audience, let the crowd, you mm -hmm. know, do the Shout. But, like, we got talking to do. <laughs> I do like that quite a bit. Uh, and it, it felt good just because it was like, hey, anything can happen. Bonix is hurt. As long as Ty Thompson is in the game, we we got a chance. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to talk shit. But I got I got a funny story that I think you'll like. Hit um, it. Chris Hudson, number one wide receiver. Um, or not wide receiver, more like slot receiver. Which is he weird, right? Because isn't Sewell also number one? Oh, yeah, but, you know, he plays defense. I do think it's weird. We also had two 10s, Bo Nix and, some, and somebody else is also a 10. And I'm like, yeah. I thought you weren't allowed to have the same number. If As long as you're not playing on the same side of the field, you know, as long as you're not a two-way player. But I'll tell you this, buddy. Um, so, yeah, Chris Hudson, he goes to the media, and this made a bunch of people pretty mad. Me at the, t at the time as well. He's He's talking to the media. And he says a couple of things that get people a little hot and bothered. One thing is, he basically admits, I mean, he he admits to faking an injury, I would say, because they ask him, like, because at the end of the Washington game, right, uh, he goes down, and it's pretty clear it's probably fake, just so we can have time to set up the final play, what we are hoping was going to be the game-winning play. Right. Um, they ask him, like, hey, so are you injured? And he goes all like, oh, no, 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 like, don't worry about that. That was all part of the game plan. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you just admitted to faking an injury then. And then later in that same interview, this is at a time when oh, Game's who over. Who cares? Uh, I guarantee you it's happening everywhere all the time. Yeah. I mean, what, if you, you're out of timeouts, make a lineman get injured. I mean, just yeah. lay down, hold your knee. We'll come out. We'll hang out over you for a little bit. We'll all come back in. They're talking about the game plan on the sideline. We're good. If it means a win versus a loss, hey, I like winning. But I don't um, care. If you, if you can flex that rule, flex it, baby. So Chris Hudson, uh, then later in that same interview, says something about, and this is at a point where we don't know what's going with Bo, right? And he goes, Oh, well, you know, obviously Bonix is down. <laughs> and so people would be like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, even if he's down, even if he's truly out of the game, if Utah thinks he's playing, they have to practice. They have to, you know, prepare for him. If they know he's not playing, then they get to eliminate some plays that they don't think Ty Thompson will be able to pull off. You know what I mean? That being said, so then Bonix comes out. He's starting, like, right from the get-go. So it's like, okay, maybe there's a little bit of gamesmanship. Maybe Chris Hudson was actually overstating what he said. Because Bonix was, you know, is down. He's not 100%. But maybe he was trying to play a little bit there. And yeah. then afterwards, in the post-game interview, Dan Lanning 
uh, someone asks, like, hey, how's how's he feeling for next week? How's Bonex feeling for next week? And he goes, like, oh, well, I'll just leave you. Uh, you can ask Chris Chris Hudson that. Like, I'll let you pass that. Perfect. <laughs> Which I thought was so fun. I, I really do think that's a lot of fun. Um, this is what I like yeah. about this. What I like about the potential of this team yes. is that youth energy. Mm-hmm. I think because the coaching staff is so young, it's you know there's a there's a different bond there because they're not separated in years that much. So there's a lot more connecting you can do because outside of the game, there's more connections in just the life you've lived. Mm-hmm. My I mean, man. they're all post internet. <laughs> oh yeah. Dude, you know what's crazy? Uh, let's just say I, I I have a job where I have to check IDs pretty frequently, and uh, you're a security guard at the stadium. We all exactly. know this. In the Capitol, I did a really bad job one day. Um, oh but, God! <laughs> so um, there was uh, shit. What was it? My hysterical joke made me kind of check IDs. Oh all yeah, day. someone born after nine eleven can legally get a drink. That's kind of blows your mind, doesn't it? I mean, obviously, but kind of blows your mind, doesn't it? Somebody born after 9-11 is now old enough to get a drink. Yeah. I mean, not everyone born after 9-11. Sure, but, you 2001 know. is when 9-11 happened, happened. Yeah. I mean, 9-11 happened. I mean, for me, 9-11 happened a, a lifetime ago. For me, 9-11 happens every day because I think about it at 9-11 p.m. and 9-11 a.m. Oh man, you gotta let that go. I, well, I I'm, get the never forgetting, but I'm, I'm glad we finally got to the point in the podcast where we bring up 9/11. But I think we should transition. Oh, it was to... an inside job. <laughs> oh no, your conspiracy <laughs> friend got to you. Um, I I do think I want to really quickly before we bring on our wonderful guests, our attractive guests, maybe. I've never actually seen him. What he says is attractive, though. Um, before we get into that, I just want to do a little quick plug about if you're talking about, hey, I'm a duck fan. Why yep. aren't these two mother duckers talking about basketball? Quacks a ball. I'll tell you why. It's because we are, you moron. We're doing it over on the Quack 12 Patreon, which for a measly five bucks a month, you can get some early access quacks ball. Over there, we've been breaking it down every week. Now, the Quacksaball coverage will be coming to the main feed, but not until we're done with football. My brain right. is too small to comprehend that. So, relax. At which point, you'll be able to go to Patreon and get exclusive baseball softball news. Precisely. Not only that, but there's a whole bunch more on that Patreon. A lot of really fun stuff, especially if you're into Oregon football history. Yep. We got the Quack and Time series. We're breaking down every goddamn season by going into a time machine and actually living in that year. Uh, there, we cover a bunch of historic games. We got Duck D and D. We got a lot of fun stuff over there, and it really helps us support this podcast. Five measly bucks. If you're broke as hell. You can also give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out quite a bit, too. Same with Spotify. Then delete the Spotify app because it's garbage. But, yeah, five five stars over there. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. And Adam, everything you do. Yeah. As a broke person myself. Mm-hmm. Broke in will and in wallet. 
Yes. I know for a fact I still have enough money to buy a six-pack of beer. Mm. So maybe tonight I'm just not going to go buy that six-pack of beer, and instead I'm going to donate it to a good cause. Two idiots (laughs) talking about sports. (laughs) It was so funny, ladies and gentlemen of the audience. He fell out of his seat. Adam just it disappeared was, for five seconds. It was just so damn funny. I silently mimed a, a, a laugh. I guess silently and mimed is a little redundant, but yeah. I guess also you could have been puking off camera because the joke. Oh, was I was bad. puking. That joke was absolutely disgusting. Um, but yeah. So what can I say? Our, the sponsor today is the Quack Twelve Podcast, as well as. What we said earlier. The Humane Society. The Safe Haven Humane Society and Start Rescue. Now, without any further ado, oh my gosh, what is it called when you hear that ringing in your ear? Tinnitus. Or if you're British and people say this is the more proper and correct way to say it, tinnitus. Tinnitus. No. No, that yeah. right. that it's supposed right. To, I think it's supposed to be pronounced tinnitus, but we've bastardized it into tinnitus. Oh, I suppose you're going to start spelling color with a U. I do. <laughs> oh, my God. Get out of here, you <laughs> wanker. Um, well, with now, without further ado, let us bring on our very special guest, our resident film reviewer, our dear friend, and some would say third co-host, Hithliday of Addicted to Quack. <laughs> Hithliday. Um, would you like to join our church in which we worship at the altar of Bonex? Uh, wow. No. Um, no. it would have cost you a lot of money. So that's a good idea, actually. Uh, <laughs> my man, uh, I'll start you off uh, by just saying I went to that game and it was fun as hell. I'm sorry if you had to hear Rod Gilmore instead of being there. Um, that was the reality, although um, obviously I had it muted uh, for <laughs> reasons that don't need elaboration. I, I will say I was thinking about this while I was at the game, you know, because I was seeing that like people were complaining. Gilmore is going to be calling the the Civil War too, of or course. The team that used to be the Civil War. The, is it the possible they? Yeah, the Platy. Is it possible they actually put Rod Gilmore on these games to get local attendants to come so they don't have to hear Rod that's Gilmore a, at home? That's an interesting theory. I they literally also, was thinking. So it's going to be three Gilmore games and two Brock Heward games uh, for the Ducks. Just like, oh boy, what you know? What did this team do in a previous life to deserve this you know commentary stuff? No joke. Oh my gosh. Well, I was so glad not to hear his voice. Like that was like the biggest thing. It was like that. That's the biggest perk of being here is I don't have to listen to those two. Like bore me about watching. Like I'm watching my own team. Like I should be the most thrilled, and yet I am actually bored. Someone is taking the thrill away from me. <laughs> the, the really obnoxious stuff is not so much the commentary uh, as the like. Hey, did you need like 30 more reminders that Utah beat Oregon a couple of times last year? Yeah. Like, you know, and, and then like turning that into a storyline of like, oh, you know, Oregon's, you know, the more physical team this year. And it's like, you know, did you watch those games? Like physicality wasn't the issue. It was, you yeah. know, the ability to cover the tight ends and converting third downs. I mean, it was just like, 
I don't know, man. Like that, that uh, it, it all bothers me. You know, the the commentary stuff. I really just wish that we had a like a crowd noise only channel. But like mm-hmm. in particular, the like the need to like craft narratives. You know, like the the need to be able to tell stories about the game that you're watching, or, or like really anything else. Like for me, the game is enough. Like mm-hmm. you're nothing that you're going to add to football is going to make football more exciting or or worth watching when it wasn't before. Like like who is this appealing to? Like who me? Needs- <laughs> Rod Gilmore was not appealing. It's the only to you. input I have on any team team we play almost i honestly think and i know they kind of do stuff like this already but it's gonna get to the point where when you're watching a game there's literally gonna be like you know you you get your smart tv and there's gonna be 10 options and i bet you including assholes like us that will be live doing it and somehow you can get access to it like it just seems like the game will be in the middle there'll be screens all around it multiple are like the betting lines in different casinos and blah 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 they have that it's espn news and they also have the thing that adam (laughs) was talking about which is on youtube which is actually makes it extremely frustrating if you're trying to find games that have been posted to youtube which Uh is not my primary source of games but sometimes it can be valuable um uh, and then acquire them before they get taken down um, that like, oh, my God, like, you know, nine out of 10 videos when you go search for a particular football game are like these watch along videos where it's yeah. like some schmendrick, you know, sitting in their <laughs> like dorm room or whatever, like who's the camera's just on this like unshaven putts uh who's like reacting to the game in real time i was just like who need like uh, you know yeah no i I needs that that. like that's you know apparently the world go any Mm -hmm. further because we floated doing that idea like (laughs) two of this podcast we were like let's do watch alongs ladies and gentlemen go back to the archives we have one where we watch basketball Oh yeah, we watched it the live basketball horrendous. game. That was bad. That <laughs> did not work out well. It's the it's the emotional handholding, which or the like. I feel anxiety, and this is the way that I I'm going to get through anxiety. Uh, you know about this game is like having another person to like validate my feelings, or you know, or whatever. Which like I guess I understand that. I mean, honestly, the reason why I do film study and analysis and so forth is to tamp down my own anxiety of like opponents, mm-hmm. right? Like that was the whole reason I started doing this way back when was that like. I didn't understand anything. It was it was a, a the 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 2010 uh, Rose Bowl against Ohio State coming off of the t- 2009 season, where I realized like I knew all these Pac-10 teams, but like because you know I had you know you just sort of absorb that as background you know from being a Pac-10 fan, but like I didn't know anything about Ohio State, so I was like, well, I'm you know, I, I, and like the, the digital you know HD you know television era hit hit, and so some of these stuff was like available on on you know uh from various sources and i was like you know what what i'll do for this month before the rose bowls i'll go find the 2009 ohio state and i felt like when i was watching that game which i watched in the rose bowl but it was like oh i totally understand like i understand that you know these formations i understand their tendencies and so forth and it's like even though that game had a negative outcome for the ducks like i was like i had so much better of a time because i like understood what i was watching and so like 
it, it is right. I guess it's hypocritical for me to make fun of other people for looking for ways to like tamp down their anxiety and you know and their emotional uncertainty because like that's totally what I'm doing but like obviously the way that I'm doing it is way better and everybody else is a child so <laughs> <laughs> well and I mean I'm I'm definitely a narrative person I love a narrative um is and and this is the quack 12 podcast conspiracy is as good a narrative as anything oh yeah else. um but I will say like the clear na- narrative of this game especially if you're a duck fan is Bonix going out there clearly injured mm. but still able to pull out enough um I think there's also part of the narrative of like Ty Thompson goes out there for one play not necessarily his fault. Oh uh, was it? I mean, have you watched? I don't know. No, I place don't. blame or no. Like, I mean, that play just got categorized as a trick play on my tally sheet, and so I felt no need to analyze it further. I mean, Oregon's not going to run that anytime soon. Who you know, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I, I don't. I, I don't know. I I don't particularly care. Um, I mean, yeah. but like it God, was, that kid. Everyone... I mean, that kid might just be cursed. Like that kid might have just like run over a witch and it and seems like, like it. yeah, uh, had a death curse put on him. Like I don't know, man. Like, um, and it was well, just like, and even people in the stadium, like we were looking around talking, where it's just like, it's not his fault. But you put the guy in for a one play, yeah, and I you know. know, so many fans are gonna be like, well, look. Put him in for, like literally put him for one play and suddenly it's a game again. <laughs> yeah. You know, the but with Bo Nix, like uh I, I do not wish to worship him. However, I, I hmm. will say that you're right, you know, that that it was that's the difference in the game. If you you know, when you break down the numbers, you know, the article that I published uh this morning, you know, does so that like you know both of these teams had limitations. Some, you know, obviously Oregon's big one was, you know, you know, Nix's injury, but also some offensive line injuries too, which did affect the game. Um, and Utah also has limitations. You know, we were discussing them with Greg last week in terms of like how um, narrow and constrained their offense has become because they simply don't have, you know, mm-hmm. very many um, receiving targets that they can throw the ball to. Um, and they're not really hitting explosive runs, you know, either. And so there's wit, you know, and so it was actually pretty interesting to do the film study of this article because I sort of felt like maybe for the first time ever, not that's not true. Um, there are a couple other examples, but over this like this last couple of year run, um, for, for Utah, um, starting like 2018 or so, like, I don't want to call them an excessively lucky team, but like they're not built like a championship contender and they're getting to, you know, Pac-12 title games and getting, you know, nine, 10 win seasons through um, other means, you know, like, you know, they sort of connect on passes that they shouldn't always connect on. They're throwing to fewer receivers than they should be than, than most, you know, high quality teams do. And so you're sort of like, why aren't opposing defenses doing this and this, you know, the quarterback is constantly scrambling, you know, mm-hmm. why don't you assign somebody to like shut those scrambles down and force them to throw the ball instead of just running for a first down, you know, and there's a bunch of other examples. And I sort of felt like, there are a couple other examples of this. In fact, one of them was the 2019 Pac-12 championship game, coincidentally or not, against Oregon, um, where it's like Utah just plays certain games in which, for lack of a better term, their luck runs out. You know, like all the things, all the ways that they play football, it's like this shouldn't be as successful as it is suddenly like, 
oh, and that's what it looks like when it's not when it's as successful as it's supposed to be. And like, mm-hmm. that's what happened a lot in this game um, that sort of all those limitations caught up to them in Oregon. W- one of the few teams that was sort of like, I really feel like this was Dan Lanning and, and, and maybe and Tosh Lapoy and Palage and the defensive staff. I'm not sure who exactly the brain trust or, or how the micropolitics works, but like somebody finally looked at Utah's film and was just like, wait a minute, if we just, you know, if we just put two guys on Kincaid and our best cornerback, we move him over to deal with uh, Valet, they don't have anybody else to throw to. And furthermore, they're always going to throw the ball on third down because they don't trust their run game. Uh, And, and, you know, like, and there's a couple of things I I go into in my article, but like Utah's an extremely predictable team. You know, they're, they're the, the offensive configuration predicts what the play call is going to be the the direction of the where the tight ends lined up direct which you know tell you which way the run is going to go and so there, i have a bunch of clips in my article you know of the way that oregon is defending their passing game the way that they're defending the running game and which is the you know I, I was like this is it's such a gratifying thing as a film reviewer because you can point to the screen being like see i told you i told you all you have to do to shut them down is notice this trend and this trend and this trend and and do it and i was like oh look and oregon did and so i was like yeah yeah that was fun (laughs) um so those are the limitations that utah was dealing with and how oregon um or some of the ways anyway that oregon was dealing with them and oregon's limitations you know like utah there were a number of people when i published my article in my preview article of utah was just like oh utah has a weak rush defense well i know what's going to happen they're just going to run the ball 45 times right oregon is you know because because nick and i'm like no i don't think they're going to be able to do that because the nature of oregon's run game they're going to be outnumbered in the box but now they can't um yeah read a defender and so there's a bunch of clips you know there are examples of that in which it's like utah's got seven guys in the box which is not a particularly heavy box it's their standard you know if you have you know five offensive linemen and a tight end and so you have six blockers and they they're going to put seven in the box you know their standard front plus box safety and the way that you normally deal with that is you read the seventh defender you make him stay out of the play to honor the threat of the quarterback run. Well, now that there's no quarterback run, that guy is unblocked and you have no way of dealing with him. And he just runs on, you know, goes and hits the back. And that's what was happening throughout this game. You know, there's mm-hmm. Oregon successfully pulls off a couple of plays where they basically run through the, the unblocked defender or they run around the unblocked defender, but they don't ever effectively take him out of the play with the threat of the quarterback keep and so like that's a major limitation on oregon's rushing game and is why oregon didn't just run their ball down utah's throats over and over and over as sort of the numbers might have predicted instead to finally get back to what got me onto this uh instead bonix had to throw them their way to victory and like that's mm-hmm. the differential is that utah's passing offense was way less effective than oregon's passing offense was and everything else about the game is sort of like winds up being a tie um but yeah, like, like the turnover battle yeah yeah like turnovers and rushing efficiency rushing explosiveness um but like oregon you know wound up having more efficiency and more explosive passing and utah had no explosive plays whatsoever right like their longest play was 18 yards they only had three plays that were more than 15 yards um like oregon was you know forcing them to march down the field and um and and betting that they would eventually make mistakes which is not often a safe bet with utah because like i was saying they sort of like just culturally they're not a team that makes a lot of mistakes and also sort of they get stuff go their 
stuff goes their way a lot. There um, were some short downs where it was like rising to an open Kincaid or, or right. an open receiver. That just like rising was just not there. Yeah, in exactly. Moment. Like I mean, yeah. there's a couple of there's a couple of plays where he's like scrambling and mm-hmm. he's got to throw back, you know, back across his body, back across the middle, which is like don't do that, quarterbacks. But he gets away with it, you know. Yeah. Sort of like, but you know, they were not getting away with it on every play. You know, they're you know that they're sort of. The, you know, again, luck is not the right way to put it, but this is a colloquialism that everyone will understand. Sort of Utah's luck ran out. And Oregon, on the other hand, was sort of making their own luck. I don't know. Like, because the, you know, the way that they had structured the offense between throwing all those screens, going to empty mm-hmm. formations, um, and just having a bevy of receivers to throw to, you know, not mm-hmm. just two guys, but like the entire squad, you know, all the tight ends, all the running backs, all the wide receivers. Dante Thornton caught two huge passes, right? Yeah. Like a guy who had not Dante really Thornton. been used. Had right, an up and like, down game, yeah. <laughs> like you know, so they have a really great corner, Clark Phillips, and they parked yeah. Clark Phillips onto Troy Franklin. You know, basically the entire game. Like, oh, you have a favorite receiver, Bo Nix. You know, oh, well, I'll just take him away with our best corner, kind of like how you know Oregon did with Christian Gonzalez versus Devon Bailey. Um, but then Oregon didn't run out of receivers when that happened. You know, mm-hmm. like Oregon has more, you know, like this is the fundamental difference between being the most talented team in the conference and being like the sixth most talented team in the conference is, the, you know, and a team where a quarterback plays favorites and a team where the quarterback, um, even with a bum leg, has a bunch of dudes to throw to in a wide open playbook. Um, mm-hmm. And like, yeah you know you you saw the difference and it's the difference between an offensive coordinator who's really creative and adaptive um and you know changes up the playbook based on the opponent that he's playing and an offensive coordinator um you know for utah who doesn't do any of those things and who's really locked into a particular thing and who doesn't have the tools in order to do it this year um and really most years outside of 2021 um so like yeah this was actually you know even though it was you know a close game and it might have seemed similar in some regards when you really like break down what were the differences in the game it was really kind of a game of contrasts and it really it it certainly made me happier to be an oregon fan than a utah fan you know like i don't know where utah goes from here like um, I don't know that that'll that's a, that it's going to be an interesting team to study in the offseason. I'm looking forward to it actually. Um, so I I it did seem like in this game the game plan the offensive game plan maybe was put in for both an injured Bonix and for a Ty Thompson. It did seem like a lot. They did not have a run game that assumed. Um, an immobile quarterback. Um, I was actually kind of surprised by that. I, I later learned after I wrote my article, I, I basically learned this at five in the morning when I read this article um, or read this uh, comment um, that like Dillingham, it, it really was a game time decision. That wasn't like just coach about whether or not Knicks would play. Like mm-hmm. obviously that's a coach speak, you know, kind of thing, which usually means he's not playing, but I don't want to tell you that. Um, no, apparently literally it was up until like, you know, the opening kickoff, Kenny Dillingham did not know who Oregon's quarterback was going to be or, or so it appears. And so I did notice the way that the run game was structured seemed like it was structured for a running quarterback 
who who would keep the defense honest with the threat of keeping the ball. So that's Ty Thompson and a ton of lateral passes, which I think serves a bunch of different purposes and still wound up serving Oregon's purposes, even though they were not actually that effective throwing outside screens. That's another yeah. thing that I got into in my article about, like, I think they were making a mistake by throwing outside screens, which which Utah defends really well. The Wazoo game should have taught them that. And they weren't throwing enough inside screens, which is how you beat their blitzes. Um, but they finally figured that out towards the end of the game. and They got a couple of big you know plays out of it which arguably won them the game when they made that you know decision to start throwing inside running back and tunnel screens um instead mm. of outside flanker screens which they were getting blown up every time they tried to run them but even just the threat of running the screen has salutary effects on the way that the defense is structured and i think that dillingham had those you know put in for that reason to sort of keep the you know brush the the, the defense back a bit um but if you don't have a, a whole lot of confidence in ty thompson's ability to throw the ball downfield what would you put into your game plan a bunch of screen passes so that might be evidence for that you know proposition um are you worried at all of um should we be forced to kind of like stick with this about just about this exact game plan as in like assuming that Bonix will not fully be mobile, like maybe even not to like roll I, I out think, or anything. I think that Ty Thompson might literally, literally be cursed. Um, I don't know what's up with Jay Butterfield, like how he could not be getting reps uh, is really concerning. Um, yeah. I, I think a, uh, a, a limited Bonix is a better option than anything else that you've got. I don't know if this game plan will be a repeat for the Oregon state game. Um, I like I I really don't um like first of all I, I haven't I, I'm not quite done you know with my Oregon State study yet and I'm not ready to offer a prediction and second of all Kenny Dillingham surprises me every week so like even if I did understand them perfectly I would have a hard time telling you who it was going to be um which and it is interesting knowing that like the Beavers like specifically this last game they're going to be looking so intensely at it because like this is the first oh, game sure. that we've game planned with an injured Bo Nix right but Dillingham is so good at being like, this is what I did last time, and knowing that you know that I know this, I'm going to now. Yeah. So no, I definitely really appreciate the way that he's yeah. like an adaptive, you know, dude. Which like, oh man, you know, watching all these Pac-12 teams where I just see, you know, coach after coach after coach, like, well, I I only know how to do one thing. So I don't care if it's not working or not, or I don't care if this is a bad matchup against this upcoming opponent, or you know, whatever, like. Oh, the only tool I've got is a hammer, so uh, mm. I hope there's a bunch of nails out there. <laughs> um, you, I, I, you ready for a conspiratorial, uh, conspiracy-led question that you're gonna oh hate and not answer? Um, <laughs> I won't right. let you answer that even because. Uh, so <laughs> I think I was listening to Solid Verbal. I don't know. I mm. think it was that. I don't know what made him say this, but Dan Rubenstein said that like he is because it wasn't just the results of the field on the field. He said. Um, he believes Dan Lanning actually took over the defensive play calling in that last game. I don't think that's true, or at least I don't. I, I think it's probably always been a three-way thing between Lanning, Lupoy, and Powledge. Like mm -hmm. they're literally co-defensive coordinators, so like, you know, that shouldn't be too surprising. Um, and Powledge is up on the booth, whereas Lupoy is on the sideline, and Lanning has to be on the sideline because he has to be doing things like calling in timeouts and so forth. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I don't, 
I can't find evidence of anything, you know, structurally different. I think that, and the other thing is that, like, if you actually break down the numbers, Oregon was, Oregon's defense was not more effective than it has been in previous games. It was actually substantially less effective on a per-play basis. But a couple of things happened. First is they they did effectively prevent explosive plays that forced Utah to march down the field and not make any mistakes. And they kept making mistakes. I don't really think Oregon, I'm not sure that I see evidence that Oregon was doing much to make Utah make mistakes other than giving them lots of opportunities to make mistakes. But Utah Mm -hmm. was still the team, in my opinion, that was making them. Utah was still dropping passes. Utah was still, you know, forcing balls to receivers who were covered. Utah was still doing all the things that they actually normally do. But like, like I said, sort of their luck ran out, um, so to speak. Uh, You know, number one, number two is I really think their offense is super duper predictable, far more predictable than almost any than than I think eight out of the 10 opponents that Oregon had played. Um, And so like, but like, I don't think that's in game game planning or, or, or play calling that's game planning. And that's probably something that's like those guys that's on Wednesday. That's a Wednesday thing, you know, not mm-hmm. a Saturday thing. Right. Like that's, and like, who knows who's actually in the room and who has the loudest voices in those meetings, but like, I'm sure they have meetings and I'm sure they're like, Oh, look, you know, I'm sure they know. I mean, if I'm smart enough to, to figure this stuff out, those guys are way smarter than me and way more experienced and way better paid to do these things. I'm sure they were like, oh, they line up this way. The slant's going to be this way. We just need to tell the guys, you know, like, you know, alert, 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 you know, slant this way. And so I put clips in my article of just like, yep, you can see them right off the snap, you know, n- hitting exactly the gaps that they need to blowing up exactly the blocks that they need to while the guys are turning their shoulders to the, the, the line of scrimmage blowing it up and getting tackles for losses and then i think what happened is that even though utah's rush efficiency was pretty good in this game like really good actually um which is just a bunch of yakko stuff it's just like the ball of humanity type of runs where they're like oh we're not like elegantly you know you know this guy blocks this guy and this guy blocks this guy and you come over here thinking you're on block but then wham you get hit in the face by this other dude that you didn't see coming it's not that elegant kind of running it's the like Hulk smash we're big which like you're never going to get explosive runs out of that way but you might get six yards just by you know pushing forward right Mm -hmm. well if it's third and three and you're getting those six yard runs from pushing forward every time you want it you know what you should do you should you should do that but andy ludwig i think was really utah's offensive coordinator whom i don't think much of um was like he he fell into you know a pretty Andy Ludwig type of bad habit, which is it's third and three. I'm getting six yards per run. I better have my quarterback bail me out because like that's Andy Ludwig. Like he's mm. he's he's not a. This is going to sound like far more insulting than I intended to be, but like he doesn't clever his way out of problems. There are people I'm sure you've encountered them in your life that who like when I encounter a problem, I need to outsmart it, and I think that's a Kenny Dellingham kind of person. And then there are other people who are you know, when they encounter a problem, they stick to their guns. They go to the, you know, whatever I, this has worked for me in the past and I'm just trained to think it's going to work. And Andy Lowe was that kind of guy. And this, the guns to which he sticks is the quarterback will bail me out. Um, and like Kim rising in this game was not able to bail him out. Um, even though he probably had better options that were available to him. And I think he was really, really scared off of running the ball because Oregon had like five tackles for loss in this game. I think because they Mm -hmm. correctly analyzed the Utah film. And I think that those like scared him, scared him more than it should have scared him. 
um, but scared him nonetheless. And it, it kept him from making what was the smart, you know, the percentage play on certain third downs and certain fourth downs. Um, and that's that was the difference, you know, in the game um, is that, you know, he's not a clever man. You know, sorry, you fans. Um, although when we were interviewing Greg, he was like jumping down my throat to tell me how much he agreed. That you, you know, yeah. He's not a clever yeah. man. So. I think there's going to be less and less pushback from Utah fans. Yeah. Um, it was a low scoring, high pressure game. Absolutely one of my favorite football games I've ever been to just because how into it that crowd was. It really felt like we were winning, you know, third and third and shorts, fourth and shorts. Like it, it was it was amazing. Oh, it was a good time. You asked me whether or not there uh, the, the theory about like, you know, different play callers. I can say that I didn't really see any evidence of that. There is one the one piece of evidence that might be useful mm-hmm. for that proposition is that Oregon did run a couple of new blitzes and simulated pressures, which I know is Lanning's thing, you know, from his time at Georgia um, and working under Kirby Smart. Um, now, it it may be that, they, you know, they have introduced new blitzes and sims in almost every game or not about every other game or so, like uh, about six different times, I would say over the course of the season, I've seen like, Ooh, you didn't run that blitz before. Um, so like that may have been in the normal course of events anyway, it may not be evidence for anything, but I will say I put in at least one clip in my article of like, they'd never run this stunt before. And it definitely was effective in forced rising to throw the ball early. And when the chips are down, he's going to throw it to, and like, it's, it's a fascinating play because he throws it to Kincaid, you know, his favorite target, like 50% of targets in this game from mm-hmm. rising were to Kincaid and he's covered and Oregon gets the pass breakup while he's, you know, under pressure with like, I think it's Sewell. No, it's Dorless who's in his face. Um, and like, meanwhile, there's another tight end who's wide open. He's on a, you know, this, this, a big slant or maybe a post and he's going up against bridges and it's not bridges fault. He's supposed to have safety help. And, and uh, but like for that moment, he's open um, and like, can, you know, rising doesn't see him and he's under pressure because of that blitz. And so he throws to Kincaid because of course he does and Oregon yeah. breaks it up. And there's either a third or fourth down, but basically an end of their drive. And like, yeah, that's that's studying your opponent and that's putting in, you know, a new pressure that they hadn't seen before. And it worked because it was well designed um, and uh, and it, and it achieved the intended result, even though Utah had an option that would have prolonged the play, because like that's the nature of defense is like you can't take everything away. You, you just like it's. It's, you only have 11 guys. The offense always has more options, and it's about understanding your opponent and taking away the easiest stuff and then forcing them to to do something that they're not comfortable with, and then you're testing their ability to do the uncomfortable. And Utah, apparently, Utah's their uh, comfort level with doing the uncomfortable was poor. Yeah. Uh, Cam Rising's comfort level to throw to anyone else but his tight end one. We're Ben um, Williams. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what was that, one. Aaron? That was a good one. I just laughing. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun, fun podcast. I'm glad you're having a good time. Um, Aaron. <laughs> hey, podcast listener. Hey, Come you. over here. Come yeah. over here. Get over here. Yeah. Huh? Nice headphones you got in here. Oh, yeah, I like those, Chevy be a shame if something were to happen to those headphones, eh? Stomped them on the ground, eh? 
be real easy to avoid that smashing if you went over to the Quack12 Twitter account and gave us a little follow. Just a little follow, that's all we're asking. And hey, look at that. I hear you listening to your new podcast apps in your car, huh? Driving home, making the long journey feel a little shorter, eh? Is that yeah. what he's doing there, bud? <laughs> yeah, turning your three-hour drive into a nice little vacation, huh? Be a shame if your car ended up on the bottom of a lake. Splash. Splash maybe with you in the trunk of it, huh? Glug, glug, guzzle, guzzle. Maybe all that can be avoided with a little trip to the quack. 12 page on Apple Podcast. All you got to do is go to Apple Podcast, Quack 12, give us internet. five stars. Yeah, the internet. You got it, bud. Five stars. Leave us a little comment. Help other people find it. Maybe it'll help people find you when they find out that you're gone missing. If you catch my drift. You seen the posters on the telephone poles? Yeah, those are those are people that didn't give us five stars. Some of them did, and we did it anyways. And then uh, you know, uh, oh hey, hey look at look at this podcast listener on their long inner inner uh, continental flight, making things not so bad. Not wanting to hear that baby by covering it up. Wah wah, so they say, putting on them headphones. Trying to get the sky waitress's attention. Get over here. Give me more of that Quack 12 podcast. Yeah. 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 Why don't you? Yeah. You want some more of that Quack 12 podcast, don't you? Yeah. You want to buy some more from us, don't you? Get it. Otherwise, you know, because if you don't buy this Quack 12 podcast insurance, you never know when your plane's going to go straight down into the water, into the old Atlantic, never to be seen again. Glug, glug, guzzle, guzzle. In case you don't want to be th- part of the rock and roller club of the bottom of the fucking ocean, then I recommend you go to the Quack 12 Patreon. Come on, come on. Why don't you go to the Quack 12 Patreon, give us five smackaroos, and for that we can forget about the whole nasty business have you on your way. We'll forget about it. We'll forget about it, all right? Five measly dollars. That's all I got. Now listen up, punk. Because it looks like you're not seeing so good right now. My boss is talking to you, chump. Aren't you, chump? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. All right, let him, let him go, Mikey. Let him go. In the bottom of the fucking ocean. Ayo! Quack, quack. I do believe we have a segment to go to now. A very important. Bottom 11. That is right. I've just it chose is... to cut you off. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. <laughs> like all the bartenders in my life. Um, Aaron, here we go. We got the bottom 11. Oh, boy. Uh, getting down to the final week here, too. So every single win is more important. Um, let's start it off with the game that I was very excited for. Perhaps should not have been so excited for. Uh, the score was it was only an eleven point loss, but it it felt worse. Thirty one to twenty, the Washington State Cougars beat Arizona. They force so Arizona will not go to a bowl game. Unfortunately, Bummer. it was all on the table there, but they weren't able to pull it off. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I said Arizona. You said Wazoo. So you did get one here. I I half remember this game. I remember watching the first half and then kind of losing interest. Um, I mean, honestly, well, both it was like twenty-one teams, to six at, at half yeah. to like, and and then uh, and then Wazoo added ten more points. Uh, Arizona Arizona only added like two touchdowns at the very end of the game, which you know, made the score look closer than it was. But Wazoo really ran them out of the stadium. Yeah, I, I remember I, I stopped tuning in right when like Jaden Delore was was kind of having a little little bit of a fight with one of his own receivers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, yes, things don't seem to be looking good. That being said, I'm rooting hard for you in the Territorial Cup. You know I am, Wildcats. That'll be a fun one, and I'm we- sure they're going to be up for that game. They absolutely will be because that's their. I mean, that's their signature. Um, so you get that win there, Aaron. Then Oregon State. Wait, wait, that, that game was kind of bonkers. Um, well, yeah. So, like, it, Arizona had, Arizona threw for 360 yards. Like, wow. They're pat, yeah, they had a, you know, they, they were tearing Wazoo up, but they couldn't, like, they were terrible running the ball and they couldn't convert any of their third downs. Like, they kept getting into third and short situations and then they would get stuffed. Um, you know, I, I think they only converted two third downs the entire game. Um, That's and tough. yeah, <laughs> wow. exactly. Meanwhile, uh, Wazoo, other way around, their passing game was really, you know, really kind of pathetic uh, in this game, but they ran all over, you know, Arizona, um, which is you know kind of a, like that's how they beat stanford too like i don't know man like wazoo's it, it, it arizona like we sort of understand what arizona's problems are like they really only have one quadrant of football that they're good at which is their passing offense and mm. sure enough that's what happened in this game they just weren't if you're an incomplete team and you can't do something like for example defend anything or run <laughs> the ball then you're going to get in trouble and so that's sort of all understandable wazoo on the other hand like oh boy this is going to be a weird team to look at over the offseason because like they are winning games and losing games in different ways every week <laughs> 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 absolutely uh then we got oregon state at arizona state oregon state just wanted to make sure to to set up for an awesome platy because they just destroyed Arizona State. They did not. That's a lie. Is that real? I mean, clearly I didn't watch this game, but I see the score. I'm just going to be one of those I assholes. I mean, the, sc- the score 31 ta- to 7. The score is tacking on um, points late, and, and that, it, mm-hmm. you know, um, but, you know, Arizona, like uh, Arizona, Arizona State, like Arizona, put up a bunch of yards. They just couldn't finish drives. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Oregon State, on the other hand, like they, you know, they they wind up punting. You know, okay, so here's their their they miss field goal, they punt, uh, you know, and and they get two touchdowns in the first half. Like that's you know they, it's it's such a slow paced offense that like, you know, basically it the, I don't know, man. Like I, I watched this entire game and then I have to do film study on on it too. I'm halfway you know through, but it's like. The, this score looks like a throttling first of all it's not, 31 to 7 is not a throttling like that's not you know a huge margin of victory and second of all like like arizona state goes on a 15 play drive in which they miss a field goal and then uh oregon state goes on a 10 play drive in which they miss a field goal like both of these <laughs> teams just sort of look like yeah like this mm. isn't like watching usc's offense you know yeah. like yeah 
Well, I'm glad the voters don't look at that thing because we want these beavers ranked yeah, as high sure. as possible. Um, I went with the beeves. You went with those sun devils, Aaron. Did I really? I mean, that's what I got written right here. Oh, bummer. Uh, then we have Cal at Stanford. Oh, boy. That's right. We got, oh, no, sorry, Stanford at Cal. Uh, big game. Big game. Now, I was at the game, and I, I don't know about other fans, but I, I never get internet service at Austin, no matter how much I try. So I was only kind of seeing, like, the, the final score whenever I would get a little bit of internet. Um, I did watch, like, the first quarter of this game or so. It was a back-and-forth fair against two teams that, like, it was, like, the winner of this game unfortunately has to keep their coach even longer is kind of what it felt like. Like, you shouldn't, probably either team. Well, you know what, but the loser of this game also has to keep their coach I know. for longer. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> want to. Apparently. Like, who knows? Uh, yeah, but Cal does pull this one off, 27-220. Um, you went with Stanford, your favorite team. And, I tell you, uh, this season yeah. I am way off. Yeah, you did get your. I mean, Stanford. Stanford was in a position to win. Like Stanford was up seventeen to six. Mm -hmm. Like they had a, you know, like look at the win expectancy graph for this game. Like it's it takes a sharp nosedive because Kel gets three touchdowns in a row in the fourth quarter, but one of them is a. Um, but like the, they're both off turnovers, right? Like the or or, or two. No, it's 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 basically all short fields like the mm. the first one's only a 50 play drive. I think they got a good punt return on that one. Um, and then the second one in the fourth quarter is a fumble return. It's a defensive touchdown. And the third one is also off of a turnover where it's nine yard like they have nine yards to go. Um, and it still took him three plays to do it um, <laughs> like, yeah, man, like it. it this was you know, th these were two teams that were pretty evenly matched. And if you're pretty evenly matched with Stanford, like you have serious problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is a weird one. Um, and then we got UCLA. Oh, boy. You, number seven, USC. At number 16, UCLA. I guess those weren't. At the, no, no. Yeah, that, that was at the time. Um, Aaron, this one was freaking nuts. As you said, in the first quarter, you know, UCLA was up 14 to 0. It looked like and I think I believe UCLA was favored. I mean, just cuz No, I think like, USC was favored. Were they? Okay. Well, in my head, I I was rooting for UCLA. I, I thought they were going to do this cuz they looked like slightly the more complete-ish team. Um but turns out these were basically the same teams. Uh DTR unfortunately kind of had too much of the bad DTR in them a couple of times here. And even at the halftime, like, USC was able to rally because he threw a couple late picks. And uh, in the end, USC still only has one loss because they win this one 48-45, which I guess is the best result for the – I mean, I'm not thinking of a playoff I, thing or anything like that. But I mean, I, fun I, to I wanted to see a new team rather than a retreat. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to see us against USC. I mean, I think and, that if you, yeah. I mean, here's here's the stat of the game for you're right. There's these are like totally identical teams. Um, yeah. Stat of the game for me is that you know USC wins the turnout turnover battle four to one, and they only win by three points. Like, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> you're not talking about like an overwhelming victory and you're definitely not talking about a team that's got a defense. Um, you know, and like USC was kind of blood time. You know, they, they, they only converted 40% of their third downs. They missed on a fourth down try. Like, um, you know, their run game was, you know, they don't have Travis die, which sucks. Um, uh, a lot but they have a couple of good backs you know austin jones the, the stanford transfer i've always liked that guy i think really yeah. brown's not bad either um but like they're not their rush efficiency is fairly poor um yeah it's just like usc like they have you know caleb williams is really really good, good quarterback you know like um he can get into some funks sometimes but otherwise like you know he's he's you know just a pure talent level just oozing off of that kid i mean i was talking about it back when he was playing for oklahoma remember that when we were interviewing the oklahoma guy and i was like this guy's gonna be in new york next year and and like their inner oklahoma guest was just like oh it delights me so much to hear an objective party you know say that <laughs> um, and then i was all like no he's gonna be in la i remember I called that <laughs> out. Oh, no. um uh but like yeah, man, like the idea that this team is this like juggernaut, like, oh, man, they played two good teams. They lost to one of them and they barely beat, you know, the other and it required four turnovers. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I kind of think this is an overranked team. Um, and oh, I kind of think I really think they're going to have trouble with um, with Notre Dame. Yeah. Oh, I, I think so, too. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, this is a Notre Dame team that took down Cal and almost <laughs> beat Stanford. So who knows um yeah, yeah and then, they also took down both the acc divisional winners like i think yeah. that's hilarious that the the and the, lost to marshall yeah <laughs> like what the hell's going on here is yeah i know notre dame is yeah. like a totally screwy team that is true um mm -hmm. they're fun they're but, true but chaos. beating both Cle but you know not just beating but like destroying clemson and unc and those are the two teams that are going to play in the acc games just like why even have that game just hand the trophy to notre dame yeah. And then by extension, you know, hand it to Stanford and then by extension, hand it to Oregon. <laughs> um, and then so we only got two more games that uh, we both chose the same and they, you know, oh, well, there was Utah at Oregon. Oregon won because we are the truest, most valiant team. And then there was Colorado at Washington. We both chose Washington. We were both correct. 54 to go. 7. The Huskies. Uh, was this closer than it appeared? I did not watch any Poor, of this game. I didn't watch any of you either. Poor Bob. No reason to watch it. 54 to goddamn 7. Oh, boy. Um, that sounds like so, what we scored against them. Uh, well, they scored a little bit more no. on us. <laughs> yeah. Um, buddy, you're talking about Washington against not Colorado. Score 54 points against Oregon. What you Colorado. Yeah, oh. I said Colorado. Oh, Colorado. They, they did that's better, true. Colorado did score more points against Oregon than they did against Washington. Mm -hmm. huh. So we lost them again. Um, I mean, so as of points. right now, the season total, I got 56 points. You have 48 and a half. So technically, you don't have a shot, but <laughs> I'll give you a super specific uh, uh, you know, like guess, and I'm just gonna tell you if you want a chance to win, you should just let me pick and just auto pick the opposite, or you cannot and just hand it to me. We'll see. So, we'll see what happens. I don't claim to know what's going on in your head, but I do know that we are on to the next segment. <laughs> Dang I it! I tried to do it before you. The pig. The pig. 
That is right. The Picks, which goes along with this wonderful music here. Now, Aaron, we start with the Territorial Cup. Arizona State at Arizona, Friday, 12 p.m. on FS1. Uh, since I can kind of just do whatever I want, I could see either get either team winning. I want Arizona Wildcats to win, though, so I'm just going to go with them. All right, I'll go against you. I think that's fair. I, either team could win. Uh, I would imagine ASU's motivation is less, but... I don't really know. <laughs> That's a tough one. Like, uh, I think just because Arizona has shown even last year that they don't give up, I would imagine that they want one more win, especially against a rival, and then they can be like, we were only one game away from a bowl game. Like, it, it seems like, I don't know, good motivational tool. What's, what's ASU's record right now? I don't know. Oh, there's three and eight. So neither of these teams. Yeah, good. not even <laughs> that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then we know, have rivalry right, I mean, games, like, and this one's like a, they they really hate each other. That's not just sort of like a forced rivalry or something. Like, no, they, there there was a stretch there about ten years ago where the the road team always won this game. Like that's how mm-hmm. well they traveled and like yeah. And how unaffected uh, the other team was by the lack of crowd. Uh, number sixteen UCLA. At Cal, 1.30 p.m. on Friday. They couldn't have it, so... Oops, <laughs> I clicked on the wrong music. Uh, they couldn't have it so that we could watch two Pac-12 games back-to-back. No, they had to be basically the same time. Now, if UCLA... This one actually may affect us in a way. We actually will be rooting for UCLA. Because... No, we well, if we were to lose to the Beavers, if... And if the Huskies were to beat Wazoo, I think, well, I think we would be out altogether, but they would still need UCLA to lose to Cal for the Huskies to make it to the Pac-12 championship game. I would rather have a rematch of UCLA-USC, honestly. I think that would happen if all those things were to happen. So I will be rooting hard for UCLA, and they're the better team because they have an offense, and that helps win football games because you need more points. Aaron, who are you choosing? Who are they playing? You said so many teams. The Cal Golden Bears. Oh, Golden Bears. Of course. Of course. This might be a weird. This is my pick of the for the weird oh. game of the week. Oh, uh, and, and by weird, I, I simply mean UCLA is obviously a better team than Cal, but Chip Kelly is such a bad motivator, you know, for for <laughs> games that don't matter. Um, and this game doesn't matter. Like, um, and and Cal, you know, whatever you want to say about Justin Wilcox, like they don't have week to week, you know. Oh, this game doesn't matter, so I'm not going to play hard games. Like they always. You know, they they always give 100%. Um, and UCLA, there's definitely a scenario in which they do not give 100% in this game. And so, like, if this game is, like, tied in the fourth quarter, even though UCLA is a way better team than Cal is, like, don't be shocked. That's, that, that is, in, in that sense, I think this might be a very weird game. And so that has been Hitler Day's Weird Lock of the Week. Mm-hmm. Shh, 
May the quack be with you. There's no place like quack. There's no place like quack. I'm the king of the hey, quack. Hey, TikTok, motherfucker. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I mean, that's the pre-recorded thing. I can't cut it off. Oh, that's true. Uh, number 12, Oregon at number 23, Oregon State. The Natty. The Platty. That's what I meant to say. I'm going with the Ducks. Oh, come on. You said I have to go opposite you. <laughs> you don't have to. You can Okay, Oregon. It. Okay. You going to Oregon? Yeah. All right. And then we got uh, number 10, Utah. They might lose. Colorado. Oh, they could absolutely lose. I mean, depends on what Bo Nix looks like. If he's 100 or not, he's not going to be 100%. But if he's even where he was at at Utah game, I'd put it in Oregon's favor at it, least. It's going to be dependent on whether or not Oregon State's defense is for real. I, I, I don't know. I'm not comfortable saying that yet because I'm not done. But, like... I have a little inkling that it's not as good as their numbers indicate. Mm-hmm. Like, here's yeah. a weird stat. Even though their pass defense is much better than their rush defense, opposing teams through, you know, 11 games have thrown the ball twice as often as run the ball mm-hmm. against Oregon State. It's like every opponent chooses to 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 do the hard thing. And it's like, hmm, you know, what if, what if you just tried running, guys? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think them not playing UCLA is probably, you know, and and the LA team that they played was um, <clears throat> was USC, which is like definitely like if there's a team that's not going to recognize that they have a rush advantage yeah. and a, and press it and instead throw the ball even though it's not working, it's definitely Lincoln Riley, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened in that game. So and um, they haven't played Oregon yet, and when they were playing Utah, they had what like three interceptions. So it was that is true, and also Utah just ran all over them. Like yeah, I mean like really ran all over them. Like they couldn't stop that run game at all, um, and they lost that game in a blowout. Like. So we'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Uh, so, like, there's – and if it turns out that Oregon State's, you know, defense is even a bit of a mirage, um, then, yeah, shouldn't – you know, Oregon should outclass them, you know, easily. But if their defense is for real and or Oregon, you know, makes strategic mistakes about, you know, attacking where they're strongest and not where they're weakest, then, yeah, definitely Oregon State can win that game. It'll be scary. Uh, number 10, Utah at Colorado. Utah, 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 Utah. That's all I got to say. I hate you so much. I'm going to go Colorado. They're going to win this. I, that'd be funny. They're not, but that'd be funny. Um, that's all I got to say about that. Number 18, Notre Dame at number 7, USC. Number 18, Notre Dame. I mean, they only have three losses. Is that it? They must, yeah. Um, that's just their losses are super weird. Yeah, it's impressive. Like, I mean, because it's like Ohio State, it's Marshall, and then they lost to oh Stanford. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. One of those things is not like the others. It's amazing. Um, I'm totally with you that like, it's kind of insane. Where it's like, it's kind of hard to have a hot take on this on this game because you can be like oh nope don't sleep on on Notre Dame USC's overranked Notre Dame's totally got this but then I feel like there's going to be too many people going into that boat where you're also like well Notre Dame still has problems and USC does have talented receivers they're just going to keep throwing it um, I think Notre Dame probably knows that and is going to ground and pound the entire game and just take yeah. the ear out of the ball the thing anyone that- who's watched USC definitely it's like it's hard not to say that it's like they've got 
they're waiting for a team to take advantage of all the flaws that they have. Yeah. It just hasn't. It's only happened once so far. Like, yeah, I mean, honestly, if there's a team that's built to take advantage of the ways that USC is flawed, not just like personnel, but also um, like their play calling tendencies, like Notre Dame definitely is. I also think it'd be really interesting to watch Notre Dame's defensive line take on USC's offensive line, because yeah. I think that Notre Dame's defensive line is the better of those two. But like, I, I'm not... I curiously don't really have great data testing either of those propositions. It's sort of a feel that I have from the games of theirs that I watched, which I had to do the Cal versus Notre Dame game as film study as part of my Cal write-up. So, like, I, I watched at least one of their games really closely, and I was really impressed with their defensive line. On the other hand, it was going up against Cal's offensive line, which maybe that just makes everybody look great, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, I'm going to go with USC. I'm going to back the pack. Oh, good. I wanted to go with Notre Dame. The Fighting Irish. Okay, not racist, apparently. So, there you go. Um, yeah, I'm. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm definitely gonna watch that one. Number seventeen, Washington, at Washington State, the Apple Cup. So if we lose against the Beavers, we still got a shot to make it. If Wazoo were to beat Washington, which is possible. Which is very possible. Um, I'd like for it to happen. But I'm going to go... I mean, it's in Pullman. Fuck. It's in Pullman. It's going to be cold. Yeah. Uh, like, like, I don't know. Like, ice cold, man. Like, yeah. maybe you guys can't complete passes cold. I'm going to go with Wazoo. Because it's fun. Not necessarily... because oh, I wanted to go with the Huskies. Well, there you go. Um, that'll be a good game. That'll be... Mm-hmm. Or... It could be an intriguing matchup, I'll say. Uh, let the fireball flow. And then uh, finally, I completely forgot about this one. This is two honestly pretty disappointing teams. BYU at Stanford. BYU has like had a pretty major collapse since we've beaten them. Uh, other teams have made have basically done what we did to them. Um, so... Then again, though, Stanford is bad. Their one thing is they beat Notre Dame, but other than that, they are bad, 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 and their coach doesn't give a shit that they're bad. Uh, I will go with <laughs> shit. I'll, I'll just go complete back the pack. I'm going Stanford. Uh, fine. I'll take the other. You converted to Mormonism for this. Perfect. Do you have any interest in this game no. when it comes into week 12 and you've already gotten your film and like do you just are you gonna watch this game uh no, no <laughs> I'm completely disinterested in this game I I think the BYU will beat them but who knows yeah who cares too um yeah I mean well actually I would love to look at what's how many wins does BYU have uh Oh, there are so. Oh, they are six and five. It looks like so. There's not even the motivation. Like if we win this, we go to a bowl game. Uh, who cares? Um. Oh, and I sh- I should say, Aaron, I I will give you an extra point though, because you said. Let me turn this freaking music off. Um, if if you saw touchdown Jesus on the screen then that was your super specific one. Now, right. 
I can't attest. I didn't see him in the stands on my rewatch. I didn't see him on the TV. But I'm going to give you that point because I saw Touchdown Jesus. His name was Bo Nix. So I'm going to uh, give you plus one. That's hilarious. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, Aaron. I don't think points. I don't care. Yeah, I figured you would. For For one and a half points, which means if you were to. <laughs> I'm really just kind of trying to give it to you because there's seven games going on. If you were to get all six, that'd be 54. If you were to get, uh, let's see. So for one and a half points, which would mean if you got every single one right and this super specific thing, then we would be tied at the end of the year. And then we can figure Funny. out. So give me a very good super specific prediction. For anything? For anything. For football, but yes, for anything. Oh. Um I'm not editing this dead air out either. So we're going to in the Washington Wazoo game. Okay. Apple Cup. Uh not only is the rain gonna play a factor, it's mm-hmm. gonna lead to a botched kick, which will inadvertently become the deciding play. Wow. Okay. Now that's the super specific that I was. Botched kick, deciding play, heavy rain. Apple cup. There we go. There we oh, go. That's exciting. That is exciting. Uh, almost exci- as exciting as having our dear friend Hithla Day back on Amen. the pod. Uh, in which you can find his work over at Addicted to Quack. Duck tape, absolute best film breakdown of these ducks and their opponents. Couldn't recommend it more. At Hitlerday1 was where you can find our guest on Twitter, H-Y-T-H-L-O-D-A-Y, the number one Elon hasn't banned him yet. Thanks for joining the show, Hitlerday. Uh, my pleasure. Always fun to talk to you guys. Absolutely. And uh, next week, we got one more regular season game. Let's win that natty. Let's win that trophy that we care so much about. Go Ducks. Quack, quack. See y'all next week. Quack, quack.